Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Central Janesville, I hope you're all well. Uh, the beauty is that as we serve Jesus, every day there are new mercies for us. And really, that's one of the things that we want to talk about today, taking the time to recognize everything that we have to actually be thankful for. Uh, today, we're going to continue talking about prayer. And last week, Eric and I, we talked about praying in God's name and praying for His glory. And when we choose to pray that way, in, in God's name, for His glory, we sort of weed out our self-centeredness. And our prayers can become prayers that seek after what God seeks after. And those prayers are prayers that get answered because even when the answers maybe come differently than we might expect them to or, or hope them to come, uh, we've asked God to do it His way and we put our trust in Him that that's exactly what He's doing. So today we're going to talk more about prayer. This time though, the idea is more about praying gratefully and honestly. When I think about when my kids come asking things of me, man, I'd, I'd say there's like four out of five things that they ask for, I would love to give it to them. But three out of those five times, I, I don't simply because they ask it the wrong way. One of them comes in the kitchen and says, give me some cinnamon toast. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't go over too well with me. So I, I start off, I'm like, child, you're going to be getting your own toast and making your meals for yourself for the rest of your life until you can learn how to change your attitude and ask the right way. Kids just don't get it sometimes. Neither do adults. If my girls would just come and hug me and tell me that they think I'm quite possibly the most awesome person that they've ever known, I'd probably whip them up some French toast instead of just putting some toast in a toaster and throwing some butter on it. With just a little bit of gratitude, I would do just about anything for them. And in the Psalms, David comes off as a guy who kind of gets this idea of gratitude pretty well. And listen, there's plenty to look at at David's life and think, man, my goodness, a guy just doesn't get it. He had an affair with a woman, and when she got pregnant, he plotted her husband's death. He took a census of Israel when God had expressly told him not to do it. David was far from perfect, but the guy wrote more songs to God than we probably even have record of. He was kind of, uh, you could almost call him the first worship leader, in a sense. And his prayers and his songs were so often geared towards thankfulness. Even in the midst of his enemies pursuing him from every angle. Listen to what some of the things that he writes is. Uh, Psalm 9, 1 and 2, he says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your, of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. And listen to how he starts here. Um, he, he's being pursued in Psalm chapter 7, but he still finds a way to, to just express thanks to God. In Psalm 7, verses 1 and 2, and verse 17, he says, Lord my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me. Or they will tear me apart like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing the praises of his name, the Lord Most High. 
Do you urge your heart to find ways to be grateful to God on the days when it just feels like you're being pursued, like David was? In the middle of, of this pandemic, are you only crying out for mercy, or can you pause to find that there's still so much to be grateful for? In light of the good news that we have in Jesus, there's always something to be grateful for. In fact, we have a, a sign in, in our kitchen at our house that actually says exactly that. There is always, always, always something to be grateful for. The question is, do you look for ways to be grateful? Because the person who looks for ways to be grateful and the person who doesn't, those are usually two very different looking hearts. Uh, my heart is always best when I, when I can, kind of like David does, when I can find gratitude in my heart for wherever God has me at in that moment. That's when I'm at, at my best. I had a wake up call myself one day to how ungrateful I could, I could kind of come off to other people. Uh, I sent an email to a colleague, somebody who I don't really often talk to, and the, the way I am in emails, I just got down to business right away. I was like, hey, so-and-so, I was wondering if you could, and then I finished the email. And that's, that's a really fun email to get, isn't it, from somebody that you, you barely talk to? Well, this friend, he emailed me back, and he's like, hey, it's nice to hear from you. Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks for asking. And you know, he kind of put me in my place and, and today I'm actually super grateful for it that he did. My nature isn't always to, to show gratitude. So now I actually re read my emails almost always before I send them and probably half the time, I still have to go in after I've written it already and I, I have to add a few sentences at the beginning, something like, hey, I hope you're well, super, super thankful for all the stuff that you've been doing lately. And there's just something that just works with being grateful to people. People like it. It just feels better to respond to the, the same questions you might get and requests you might get when it feels like the other person actually cares about you and is actually grateful for you. So the question is, do you do that with God? When you pray, are you grateful? Is thankfulness the first thing that's on your lips? I've often found that the answer to that question often dictates the kind of heart that I have when I come before God in prayer. Now I've asked our, our youth pastor at the Blake campus, Michael Liebelt, to come and share with you for just a bit, uh, a little bit more of this idea of being thankful in prayer. And I am super proud of what this young man is doing with young people at the Blake campus. This guy's a team player, um, which I just love. And him and I, we've been working together on content for our students during this whole shutdown. And I just love seeing what God is, is, how he's growing him and how he's using him to speak in other people's lives. So here's Michael. So excited about the opportunity I have today to, to share with you guys. You know, by now in this quarantine, if, if your family is anything like mine, you're probably on a pretty short fuse. You've all been around each other way too long. And you all know the one thing that you have to do that's just going to set everybody off. And all it takes is somebody breathing too loud or chewing too loud and Boom, World War III has started in your house. Any of you parents see there right now? I remember growing up, I was really good at doing just that. I knew how I could push my siblings' buttons and get them to react in a way that they would get mad and they would try to fight me and they would get in trouble, but I wouldn't. You know, my parents, they're, they're pretty smart people. And, and so a lot of times they saw what happened. They, they'd get to the root of it. All the dust settles and they'd figure out who caused it. And so they'd say, Michael, you need to apologize to your siblings. Um, and a lot of times when I would say, my, I'm sorry, it would kind of sound like this. I'm sorry, I guess I did something wrong. 
I'm sorry that I, I did something that might have made you mad. You know, it sounds exactly like that. And some of you kids know exactly what I'm talking about because you do it all the time. You know, my dad would always stop me in the middle of it and he would say, now say it again, and this time actually mean it. You see, without my heart being in the right place, the words that I was saying, they carried absolutely no meaning. In other words, the heart behind the statement was actually more important than the actual words that I was saying. You know, simply saying, hey, you know what, man, I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I'm, I'm sorry that I got on your nerves. From a heart that is, is sincere, it means so much more than a formulated three-page apology that comes out of an unforgivable heart. You know, and the same is true of our prayers. It, it sounds kind of crazy, but you can have the most elegant prayer that has, you know, 10 Greek words and 70 Hebrew words and, and 15 Father Gods, but if it's coming out of the wrong place, see, the, the wrong heart, the, the wrong motivations, a lot of times we don't actually mean it. You know, I don't know if this is true about you, but I know for me, this is the truth. That, that prayer without my heart being in the right place, it, it starts to look more like complaining. You know, it, when a heart is ungrateful, it, it, it'll lead you to selfish, me-centric sort of prayers. It becomes this, this laundry list of all these things that God needs to do and God needs to give me because I'm the most important person here. And God, you need to do this for me. You need to do this for me. God, you got to handle this. And, and if I'm lucky, maybe I throw a please on the end of it. Now, now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that if you don't pray out of a thankful heart that your prayers don't count or, or that they won't be answered. You know, that's, that's not what I'm saying at all. In, in fact, we serve a God who hears it all and who is so good. And in my, my life, I've, I've seen God answer some of my most selfish prayers. But what I found is that when I pray out of a thankful heart, the prayers become less focused on me and my will and what I want, and they become more focused on God and His will and what He wants for, for my life. You know, Daniel from the Bible, he knew and understood exactly that thought. Daniel was grateful at the beginning of his prayers, remembering how good God was to him. You know, we see in Daniel chapter 9, verse 4, it says this, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. In other words, what, what Daniel is, is praying, you know, the, the first thing that he says before he gets into anything else, the first thing that he says is, God, thank you for keeping your covenant. God, thank you for keeping your promises to me. Why? Because it resets his heart. When, when you come to come into prayer out, out of a grateful heart, it resets your focus off of yourself and puts it on God. You see, Daniel's circumstances and the hardships that he faced over his entire life in that one moment of, of gratefulness are placed into God's hand. You know, if you're like me, you probably love coffee. And you've been drinking way too much in the past couple months here. There's something really wrong about having a coffee pot five steps away from where you work. And, and to me, there's nothing worse than when you're drinking a, a cup of coffee and coffee grounds are in there that escape the filter, right? You, you go to take a sip of this nice warm coffee and it feels like sand in your mouth. It's just nasty. You know, the reason we make our coffee with a filter is to keep the grounds out of the coffee. Could you imagine with me for a second making coffee without first putting a filter in? 
be straight up gross. That filter keeps the coffee pure. And in that same way, gratitude keeps our prayers pure and focused on God. When we come into prayer with this grateful heart, our heart catches the selfish, me-centric, I want prayers, and it turns them into God, do your will kind of prayers. Gratitude is the filter of our prayers that places our focus on the will of God. You know, Kelton's going to talk uh, more about the, the second part of Daniel's prayer that makes it just so powerful. Now, what Michael's saying right there, it's so good. Gratitude is the filter of our prayers. Think about that. It's hard to let all the bad stuff in our hearts through in our prayers and our everyday thought life when we're using gratitude as a filter. If I'm going to let the gratitude in, it's just hard to let all that other stuff get through. And so now I'm more free to seek after God's will. I just, I love what he's saying right there. And so while Daniel showed us how to come to God in thankful, thankfulness first, uh, much like David also shows us, Daniel shows us another important aspect of how we need to pray. And it's something that I think not many of us are, are very good naturals at. I was getting on my wife the other day for something that I just I never should have opened my mouth about. I was saying something like, you know, you've just, you've just never really admitted to making mistakes very often before. And while I'm, while I'm saying it, I'm actually thinking to myself, dear goodness, man, what are you doing? Don't, don't say these words. Like, stop, really, just stop talking. And I couldn't do it. I, like, I know she's admitted less mistakes than I have before, but you all know the reason for that. Obviously, she's made very few mistakes in comparison to me. And I say things as if I know what I'm talking about and, so I just keep on talking and it's like this utter nonsense. Meanwhile, she's wise and keeps her mouth shut until it's worth talking about. And so she doesn't have as much to apologize as I do. And even in that conversation, Crystal was like, you really don't like to admit when you're wrong. And I tried to deny it, obviously. And about two minutes later, something I said was found out to be obviously wrong and I couldn't admit it. Uh, any other couples ever been in a conversation like that before? Confession is not fun. We don't like to make confessions, but there's something healthy about confessing things in our prayer lives. There's something healthy about laying everything out before God. Confessing where we've messed up is quite possibly like the highest level and most difficult level of honesty that we can conjure up in ourselves. It's the ultimate act of humility. Listen to what Daniel says in Daniel 9, verses 20 through 22. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the, the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. It's interesting to me how it was during Daniel's time of confession that Gabriel was sent to him with the answer to his prayers. Now, could this be a coincidence? Sure. But there's something about being humble that aligns us with God in a way that, um, that our prayers, and maybe more importantly, our hearts and our lives, we become Jesus-centered. If I can confess my wrongdoings, that's a humble act that begins to carve out uh, the self-centered nature that, that I have inside of me, leaving a void 
for Jesus to come in and, and then be the center. Second Chronicles 7.14, I think it leads us further in this concept of the humbling of ourselves and turning from what is wrong in us and, and turning to seek God first. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Confessing your sins alone is not the end-all be-all uh, be of making yourself right enough with God. What's so tough about this concept of confession is that it fits with our nature to think that we can do something in order to be accepted by God and have all of our prayers get answered. It is not confession that saves you. It's Jesus who saves you. Plain and simple. Uh, Martin Luther, the, the 16th century monk who would later go on to lead the Protestant Reformation, he was well known to have, at least at one stage in his life, he had taken this idea of confessing his sins way too far, like to a crazy extreme. He'd go into confession for six hours at a time. Sometimes he would be confessing multiple times a day. But here's the beautiful thing for us. We don't have to go to someone like a priest to confess our sins. Jesus is our great high priest. He alone can forgive. He hears us. He already knows where we've messed up. But I think the real challenge for us is to become people of ongoing confession. Not six hours straight like Martin Luther, but when it comes to your knowledge that you've messed up somehow, in that moment, confess to Jesus. He's okay hearing it. He already knows it. And because of what he's done for you on the cross, he's already taken that sin on himself and he's taken that punishment for that sin. I don't regularly, I would say, sit during a, a time of prayer and, and, and be like, Jesus, I, I did this yesterday and I did this yesterday and I had this bad thought. I mean, I do so much stuff that is regrettable that I don't think I could ever recall all of it. I do some awful things without even realizing it. So I try to confess in the moment that I realize that I haven't lived up to God's standard. I get angry and I say a word that I shouldn't. And so it's like, sorry, Lord, I let my anger take over and, and I kind of, I put my desire to lash out above my desire to honor you. I say something behind someone's back that's really nothing more than gossip. And once I actually come to admit to myself that's what it was, which is a hard thing to do, I try to say, sorry, Lord, I, I chose to let my desire to, to pull myself up while I pull someone else down. I let that get ahead of my desire to be content in your thoughts about who I am. Forgive me, Jesus. Confession isn't a once-a-day thing. It's really an all-day act of humility before our King. And sometimes it may even mean that you got to go to another person and make things right. Uh, Matthew 5, 23, verses 24 says, uh, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go, first go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. That's really an easy verse to hate, <laughs> at least for me. Uh, but if you think about it, don't all of your relationships seem to get a bit messed up when you're holding on to some serious anger for someone? Or when you know that you've messed up and you need to make, make things right? I can't even function in my relationship with Jesus when I know that I've hurt my wife. And I can't function in my relationship with my wife when I know that I'm, I'm doing a really poor job of following Jesus. Sometimes if, if we're going to have a peaceful walk with Jesus, we have to go and make peace with someone else in our lives. 
that doesn't mean that we can always make peace, but if we can make peace, if it can be made, it's gonna do nothing but help your connection with Jesus to do that, to make peace. Romans 12, 18 says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, why is this so important? If I can't be at peace with the people that I can see, how should I expect to ever feel at peace with God whom I can't see? Confessing our sin, it's all about humility. It's about admitting that we are not God and it's putting Jesus at the center. When we ask the question, how should I pray? That's actually the answer. Put Jesus at the center and let yourself fall to the back. That's when we pray the prayers that are on God's heart for us. That's when we pray with gratitude. That's when we pray with honesty and with humility. So what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna actually let this take us straight into a time of communion. I think there's no better time for communion than right after talking about praying and bringing our confessions to Jesus. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 11:28. He says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I wanna challenge you to examine yourself right now. And I want, you, I want to challenge you to examine yourself in this way. Maybe you're at home right now and you're about to take communion as a family. Maybe as a husband and a wife, you've been arguing. You don't even know where or when it started even. All it takes right now is for each of you to show a little bit of humility right now. Ask for forgiveness. Give forgiveness. It's a choice. It's a choice that you can actually make right now. And without it, you will not grow any closer to Jesus than you are right now at this moment. Maybe you can think of someone that is a friend that you need to call and apologize to today. That humility won't just make you closer to that friend, it will bring you closer to Jesus because it will make you a little bit more like Jesus. As we take communion day, is there anyone that you need to make things right with? As we remember the body of Jesus given to us as we eat the bread together and as we remember the blood of Jesus shed for us as we drink together. Take time to say this to God. What sin is there in me that you died for that I need to let you make right again? Why don't you pray with me? Lord, we thank you so much for the forgiveness that we have because of what Jesus did on the cross. The fact that Jesus went to the cross and gave up his body and shed his blood took our sins upon himself. God, we are grateful for that. And God, sometimes we're not grateful enough. God, I pray that you would help us to become a grateful kind of person, each and every single one of us. But God, we also ask that you'd help us to confess, to be humble, to, hum to, to humble ourselves and come before you and admit the things that, we, that we've done that that are just dishonoring to you, that are dishonoring to other people. And God, right now, if there are people in our lives that we need to come before and say, I'm sorry, God, help us to do that. Lord, I know that I'm never quite right with you unless I've tried to make things right with people when I've, when I've been in the wrong. So God, I pray that you, would, that you would help us in that way today. God, make us grateful people. God, help us to be honest people, humble with you in confessing what we do. We love you, God. We thank you for what Jesus did on the cross for us. And we just ask that you would take this time right now and draw us near to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.